0: We're going to go tonight to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. 1 Samuel, chapter 16. The story that we're going to read here, I think, is a uh, really, um, it's not really what I'm going to be preaching about tonight, um, but another message you can almost preach from this passage is a reminder uh, that God is in control of who our leaders are as far as whether it's kings or presidents. And a lot of times, preachers will say that and people think, well, then how do we get some of the leaders we have? You know, How can it be that God is in control if God would allow somebody like Barack Obama to be president or they'll complain about some of these leaders and think there's no way that God can possibly be in control of that. God would not do something like that. But you will find out in the Bible that God gives us what we deserve. And God sometimes... God sometimes will give us what we ask for. And boy, that can be dangerous. There's a lot of things that that I've asked for that um, God has not given me. And later on, I was thanking the Lord that He didn't. Because fortunately, He knows best. But you know, you push Him and you push Him and you push Him. We see sometimes in the Bible where He would give the people what they asked for. But it didn't mean it was His will. And it would always turn out ugly. And we see an example of that here in 1 Samuel 16. In verse 1 it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from being king? Now remember, Saul was the king that the people... I mean, he was the people's choice. Saul, they, God had chosen judges to be the leaders over them for years and years. That was God's plan. That's what God wanted. And the people said, no, we want a king like all the other nations. And so finally God said, okay, they can have a king. God chose Saul who was exactly what the people wanted in a king. He was somebody that was very impressive as far as a person can go. He was head and shoulders, the Bible says, Above everyone else. I mean, he was he was the tallest guy. I imagine he was probably a very good looking guy. He was a very strong guy, a warrior, somebody that the people could look at and be proud of. Take a look at our king, and that's kind of how they did it. And you, um, if you remember later, even Samuel. When uh, God had rejected Saul as being king. And uh, we're going to see in this story how Samuel kind of did the same thing. He saw the oldest son of Jesse and he thought, wow, surely this is the king. Everybody was kind of looking at that outside, looking at that physical. And that's what the people did with Saul. But God rejected Saul for being king. And there was a reason for it. It was because Saul did not have a lot of character. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Saul was not. A man of character. But there was somebody that was that God ended up choosing. And we'll go on and keep on reading. Verse 2, And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said peaceably. I love that. I mean, Samuel, come, the prophet, shows up, and boy, the people got scared because thing. Oh boy, I mean, uh, there's uh, there's been times when I've worked places, and whenever the boss, you know, the head guy comes around, you know, everybody would get real nervous, like, uh oh, why is he here? You know, are we doing something wrong? <laughs> are we are we in trouble? Is there is there some bad news? And. Uh, that's kind of how the people thought, are we in trouble? Is He going to pronounce judgment? And they that comest thou peaceably. And He said, peaceably. like, okay, we're okay. He said, peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And He sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that He looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before Him. Samuel, he's looking at that outward appearance. And outwardly, he's thinking, Eliab has got to be the one. That's what most people do. They look at the outward. People, many times, they will look and they will judge the church maybe based on the building. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having a nice building. Nothing wrong with building something that's impressive and really looks good. But you know what? It's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside that counts. And I'm not talking about the decorations in the church. I'm not talking about the fancy chandeliers and all the nice, fancy things. I'm talking about, and I'm not even talking about the people or even the amount of people, but what is the character of the people? That's what God looks at. That's what God pays attention to. We look at the outside, the Lord looks on the inside. In verse 7, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord it seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, "Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither." Jesse didn't even think about David. He's thinking it can't be David. He's the youngest. He, I mean, the youngest. They're always the brat of the family, right? I know all my kids are probably shaking their head and thinking that it can't. It can't be him. It can't be the youngest. He's he's the shepherd. I mean, you know, my other sons, they're warriors. And they were. They were soldiers, and probably very good ones. And he's thinking, you know, surely those are the ones that are going to be the king. David, he's watches sheep. He's not qualified. It can't be him. But in verse 12, "...and he sent and brought him, and now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he." And then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. We see here... That in this story, remember, uh, now God is kind of, God is having His way. God gave the people their way with Saul. God said, alright, this is what you want. I mean, look at this guy. Head and shoulders of everybody else. A big, strong, handsome warrior. One that people can be proud of as a king. But Saul didn't have a whole lot of character. Saul, he started out good, but boy, it didn't last real long. Saul uh he was very rebellious to God. He God was very specific with him and uh on some things and Saul just totally rejected. He got Saul got confronted by the prophet and Saul still would not listen. David when he was King David made some big mistakes. David uh he made some mistakes really I think according to our standards and uh, pretty much anybody's standards he made some mistakes and did some sins that were worse than Saul's. But David, when would he would do something wrong and get confronted with it, he would admit it and he would ask for forgiveness. And we do have a very, very forgiving God. But you know, he's not real big on people who don't think they've done anything wrong. In fact, God doesn't even save people who won't admit that they're a sinner and won't ask for forgiveness. And Saul, boy, he was very, he was very rebellious. But now, God is having His way. God is getting ready, and it was, it's still, it was going to be years before David became the king, but God was starting something that day in a person that was the kind of person that God wanted to be king. And it's my prayer right now. I believe that right now in our country, we have exactly what the people wanted. I mean, we've got this, you know, charismatic, great orator that just, you know, uh, embodies everything that our tele- television and news media say that we ought to have. I mean, he, I mean, he's got it all. I mean, boy, you know, he's just a slick, you know, good looking. I mean, he's white, he's black, I mean, he's everything. He's lived in all these other countries. I mean, he's just, he, he's the perfect candidate. He's the perfect, perfect president. But boy, character wise, the guy sure stinks as far as I'm concerned. Anybody that's for abortion, I have no use for. Anybody that's for you know gay marriage and things like that, I have no use for at all. And I'm praying that maybe next, God will, say, you know, maybe after things go get messed up pretty bad, if they can get much worse, God will say, "All right, I gave you what you wanted. Now that he's called you know, now now I'm going to give you what I want." I hope we'll see what happens. Uh, the, that leader that we need, the only one that's probably going to be able to fix. This mess that we're in is probably going to be Jesus Christ when he sets up his kingdom in the millennium, but I don't know we'll see what happens there but what I want to talk about tonight though is character because that's what God is looking for that's what God is looking for in an individual that's what God looks uh for in a church you know man, they look at all the outward things you know uh many times people. You know, I almost don't like it you know, when they're asking about our church. You know, People that I know, you know, hey, you know, and they get all excited about our church because, wow, look at that great building that you guys have. Look at that great building you were able to start with. That's awesome. But you know what? Uh, I'm thrilled to death we have this place, but a great building doesn't make a great church. And I, I want to have a good church here. I really do. And I'm glad we have this building, but just because we have a nice building doesn't mean we have a, nice, a good church. It doesn't mean that God is pleased with our church. Man's impressed, but we need to be in the business of impressing God. You know, when people will hear about how many that we're running in our church, you know, it's such an early point, they're like, wow, you know, that's amazing. You know, that early on, you know, you're already. And, uh, you know, and I'm glad we have people. I'm very thankful for that. And I'm thrilled to death about that, but that doesn't mean we're a good church. I mean, if we. Start running a hundred next week. It doesn't mean we're a good church, because let me tell you, there are some jokes of churches out there that are running thousands. There, I mean, there are just absolute joker, false prophet, goofball, ding dongs out there running churches, what they call churches, that by the things that man's always wanting to talk about, that's, uh, you know, they're very successful. You know, nobody ever asks me, you know, hey, How's things going out there? Are you preaching the truth? Hey, are you telling the truth about? It? Have you have you hit on that King James thing yet? Hey, have you have you preached on standards yet? Have you preached? Have you done any of that? No, no, nobody really asked me those things. You know, that's not usually the questions you get. Are folks being saved? Are our lives being changed? If they don't ask that, this is how you run running. How many you run running? That those outward things and i'm telling you right now that while i love the fact that we have this nice building you know while i'm looking forward to when we get to start doing some of the remodeling things in here and, and making the place look nicer while i'm looking forward to that while i'm looking forward to seeing us run more in this church the thing that i don't ever want to forget about is that you know what are, is is god impressed we can do all kinds of things to impress man that's easy But is God impressed? That's what we've got to be looking at in your own life. There's all kinds of things that you can do to impress people. But the thing that we need to be focusing on is, is God impressed? I mean, you can go and start an exercise program where everybody would be impressed with the weight that you lost or the muscles that you built. But that doesn't mean you're a good person. It doesn't mean that God is impressed. God does not care how much weight you lose or how big your muscles are or anything like that. God's interested in the character. God's interested on the, in, on the inside. God does not care if we, we become the biggest church in town. What God cares is is that church following my example that I set for a church? Are they following God's Word? Are they preaching the truth? And we've got to stay focused on that. Desirable character is molded by God's standards, not human ones. For us to be a successful church as far as man is concerned, all we have to do is fill this place up. Have a lot of people. And that means we're successful, but that's not what we're going for. Saul, he was a tall a handsome man. He was an impressive looking man. And Samuel, when he came there to Jesse's house, maybe he's thinking, well, I've got to find something to imitate that. Look at Eliab. Boy, yeah, he's he's got to be it. He's got to be the one... That takes God's, that he take, that takes Saul's place. And a lot of times when it comes to churches, we're always trying to compare ourselves to other churches. I gotta be like this church. We gotta to get to this point. As people, we'll do the same thing. Oh, if I can just be like this person, or I'm gonna pattern my life after them, and if I can achieve that, then I'm gonna be okay. And God's not interested in those things at all. God may have something completely different that he wants. And God did. He picked somebody that was a total opposite of Saul. David was a good looking person, but he wasn't somebody, you know, the Bible says he's of a beautiful countenance. And I think part of what that's probably trying to say is, I mean, when you looked at David, I imagine Saul probably had more of a rugged look, more of a tough look. I mean, you could tell this guy was ready for some battles, maybe even had been through some battles where David, he was kind of unblemished. He was untouched. He, Probably, you know, he hadn't uh, probably didn't have a scar on scar on it. Probably wasn't very threatening looking. We know he wasn't very threatening looking when he showed up to fight Goliath. Goliath thought it was a joke. What's what's this all about? This this kid, this kid, I me mean, that who had obviously never seen any battle before. He's coming after me, and it. Uh, so he wasn't impressive like that. Uh, God had chose somebody opposite, but appearance. It doesn't reveal what people are really like or their true value. Unfortunately, and I'm glad of that too, because you know hey, I've looked in the mirror before. I know that there's nothing too exciting going on right here that that people are going to be impressed with. But it's more about impressing God, and God judges by faith and character, not appearances. And because only God can see on the inside, on the inside, because only God can see on the inside, only He can accurately judge people. Most people, they will spend hours each week maintaining their outward appearance. There's all kinds of things that we do to help the outward appearance. I mean, right now, we're being bombarded with focusing on those things. You know, this is January. This is the New Year's resolution time. This is the time when everybody's focusing on getting in shape. I mean, if you go to Walmart right now in all the middle aisles, they've got all the exercise stuff out there and all the diet, nutrition stuff out there, all the commercials on television, you know, hey, get this exercise program or buy this vitamin or start eating this food you know this is the time you know this is the year to become the new you to get to looking good and people boy they'll i mean they'll start january is when the gym memberships and things go up because everybody's thinking i've got to do all these things to fix up my outside and get this outside looking good and People will spend hours in the morning looking in that mirror making sure they get the hair right. And, you know, Ladies making sure they're getting the makeup all right. Hey, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. There's nothing wrong with taking care of the outside. But while everybody's focusing on that, nobody these days really is taking the time to think about, hey, what can I do to fix up this inside? Because that's what God has to look at all the time. And we're so worried about what other people think about us that's why we focus our attention on those things. But many people totally neglect what's going on on the inside. Because God see, God sees the heart. God doesn't see as man sees. And God, sees our, God is interested in our character. And character, it's developed through spiritual spiritual exercise. And if we're going to be people of strong character, then there's some things that we have to do to develop that. Just like physical exercise will develop your body and make you stronger. There's some spiritual exercise you can do. There's some spiritual dieting, I guess you could say, that you could do. And there are just a few things that they include real quickly that I want to go through. And one, if you're going to have the right kind of character, if you're going to become a stronger person spiritually and a better character, then one thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to have that desire to be like Christ. And it's going to have to be strong. Right now, there's all kinds of... Everybody, okay, 100%, I would say, or at least 95% of America has the desire to look better physically. That's why we even try these exercises and things. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of times we desire those donuts and things a little bit more. And so it's it's not strong enough, and so we don't always succeed in those things. That's the same thing spiritually. I think everybody desires to be like Christ, but you know what? It doesn't just happen. It it, it takes some work. It And if you're going to actually succeed, you've got to really, really want it. Acts 13.22 says that when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. Talking about Saul, and then he raised up David. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Think about what a compliment. God said, David is a man after my own heart. God's when Whenever you say that somebody is a man after your own heart, you're basically saying, hey, this person is a lot like me. Well, that's a pretty good compliment David just got right there. God looked at David and God said, hey, he's a lot like me. He thinks... And what does it mean to be like someone? It means you think like they do. Or you act like they do. You know, that's... uh that is quite the compliment that David got. You know, there's there's all kinds of people that you know that I'm friends with, and one of the things that kind of draws me is there's it's those things that we have in common, and those things and it it makes a better relationship. And David had a great relationship with God, and I think it's because they had, they had a lot in common. And David, boy, he had strong character, and God saw that and David God was able to see on the inside and he knew how David really thought that a lot of times people are, uh, as Christians we they will temporarily they will try to do all these things. Oh, okay, I want to be a better person. I want my life to be better. All right, I'm going to start doing all the things I'm supposed to do. I'll, I'll start I'll, I'll go try church for a while. I'll try being good for a while. I'll try this for a while and they will they'll go and they'll half-heartedly try all those things. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to read their Bible. They don't want to do any of those things. But they they try it out and it's and and God knows your heart. And he sees that they're doing it, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons. That they they don't really want to do it. And boy, we've got to realize that God knows our heart. That we're not going to fool God. And that what we need to do just pray sometimes, Lord, change my heart. Lord, make me more like You. Admit that, Lord, I'm not like You. I don't have the kind of character I'm supposed to have, and ask God to change You. I mean, start start wanting it. Start getting mad at yourself spiritually. Start. I mean, I like what Job said. I don't have the passage in front of me, but. Uh, Job, he got to where he was questioning God a little bit after all that he'd went through, and for a few ch- chapters, God just went and started telling Job all this stuff about himself. About, God started talking about himself. And when Job got done, after he kind of got that glimpse of God, I like what Job said. He said, I abhor myself. So, in other words, he's like, I hate myself. And he, rep- and he, he repented in dust and ashes and, uh, that's the attitude that we need to have if we're gonna change. We've gotta start hating who we are on the inside. I'm not talking about hating yourself so you can beat yourself up and be miserable. No, the hatred that's gonna cause you to actually do something and change who you are. That's what a lot of times people will do. You know, you'll hear the story of somebody who maybe, you know, they lost all kinds of weight or whatever and they say, I just, I hated myself and it motivated them to do something physical i'm talking about though doing something spiritually we've got to hate ourselves to the point where it doesn't cause us to get all down and depressed and get even worse but where it motivates us to action so we can be like christ and be more be more like him but if you're going to succeed once again the desire is not enough there's got to be some action and so the second thing you have to do is have the daily devotions it's not listen it's the problem that I've always had with exercising is I will go, through, you know, I will have these little spurts of days, weeks, maybe even a month where I exercise really good and then I'll have six months <laughs> where I don't do anything. I'll have, you know, a week where I eat real healthy, but then I'll have two months where I don't. You know, it's that, you know, one step forward, two steps backward type thing. And that's how people are in their Christian life. Boy, they'll be faithful in church for two whole months. And then, unfaithful. Like, sorry, you know, it, hey, it's going to take some time. You're going to have to be consistent. I mean, boy, they in January. I imagine there's a lot of Bible reading that gets done in January. I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year, and boy, I mean, the first couple of weeks you fly through the first week you get through Genesis, and then the second week, boy, you're you get about halfway through Exodus, and then all of a sudden you get into some of that boring stuff, and it's like, ah, oh. and then. By, you know, in Jan- January, you read a hundred chapters, and then by December, you've read about a hundred and ten total. <laughs> you got, to, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be daily. It's going to take time. You know, unfortunately, you know, when, when you exercise, you don't just go exercise one day, and then boom, you're muscular. I wish it worked like that, but it doesn't. It takes a lot of time. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, I want to read a verse to you there, Second Timothy three seventeen. I right, like what this verse says. And boy, this is I believe I think this verse is a a good one to just kind of prove that we have uh, inspired, perfect word of God. But it says in second Timothy three seventeen, it says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished. Under all good works. That word perfect means, you know, fulfilling your potential. I mean, uh, truly furnished. In other words, we have everything that we need to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. We, we have everything. And, uh, and so how, how do we be perfect? How do we reach our potential? Well, if we go to the verse before, in verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When we get in the Word of God, when we get to studying the Scriptures, it will give us what we need to reach our potential. There's some things that I will never be able to do physically. It's too late, I guess. I, I think it's kind of neat watching some of them gymnasts, some of the things that those guys can do. But I would... I think it's a pretty safe guess that at 32 years old, I will probably never be able to do that no matter how hard I work. Those, guys, those people, they start training when they're little children, some of them. I mean, and they train for years before they're able to do what, they're, what they do. At this point in my life, that probably won't happen. I'm, I'm sure it won't. No matter how hard I try. I will never be able to do the rings like those guys do. That's, that's just absolutely crazy. But that doesn't mean there aren't some other things that I could do. Physically, if I really work at it, if I really train, if I really try hard, there's still a potential that I can reach. There's still something that God expects from me. And you know what? There may have been some mistakes and things that you've made in your past. There may have, uh, you may have made some big mistakes, but that doesn't mean that there still aren't some great things that you could do spiritually if you really put your mind to it. We, but if you're gonna do live up to your potential that God expects from you now, you're gonna have to be in the scriptures, you're going to have to get into the Word of God and you need to get in there and you need to get in deep. And you're going to have to study you're going to have to do it consistently. I mean, uh, sometimes I, I, I've seen this with a lot of people and I've even seen it in my own life where they'll start learning all this stuff in the Bible. And here's, once you start, the more you learn about the Bible, the more you realize that there is to know. And sometimes it can kind of get overwhelming. You're just like, whoa! I don't think I can ever get all that. And sometimes it'll cause people to give up. It's kind of like me on some video games. A lot of, I've always played the simple. You know, Mario's is about as complicated as I get. And there are some of these video games and things that people have tried to get me to play. And there's just too much. <laughs> it's. Too complicated. It takes too much time. And I've started playing some of those. I forget this. (laughs) That's too much. What? i got to do all that? Forget it. And that's a video game. So who cares if you give up on that? But the Word of God is kind of like that there's a lot to it. And even now, sometimes I'll be studying things and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get all that. But and, And nobody ever will understand all the Bible, but we can keep working at it we can keep trying i mean trying to do more and more and it's going to be it's going to be a daily thing it's going to take a lot of time you're going to have to go to a lot of church and that's god doesn't expect us to have the entire bible memorized front and back but he does expect us to be studying he does expect us to be working at it and learning more Hopefully you know more about the Bible this year than you did last year. And if you're like me and you're forgetting a lot of stuff as time goes on, you know that's why you have to keep doing it if you're gonna know more. It's gonna take some work. It's not just gonna happen. But then the last thing daily duties. Daily duties. You're gonna when it comes to the Bible, it's not enough to just know things. I mean, sometimes. I've heard people so many. I'll be out, you know, knocking doors, inviting people to church, and I'll, I've had this happen several times where, you know, you'll start witness people. Oh, yeah, I know that. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I know that verse. Yeah, I, 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 I know all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I used to go to church all the time. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know the whole Bible. I've read the whole thing. Oh, well, you know, I hey, would like for you to come to church. Oh, I, I don't go to church. It's like really. Did you ever come across that part in the Bible about not forsaking the assembling? You know that part. Hey, you know, and they, I mean, they've got all this other junk in their life. You know, you don't, and I, I, don't do this. I don't just go and start pointing out their sins and things. But I mean, you can tell they are not living a life for the Lord. It's like, hey, by the way, have you ever read, you know, that part of the Bible? I mean, I've talked to people like that, and you know, they'll have a can of beer in their hand. I talked to a guy one time here in town when we were getting ready to start the church, and, and he's sitting out there on his porch and he's drinking, and he uh, he'd had one too many, and I, I was talking with him, and he was like, oh yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I, I go to church and all that, or I used to go to church. He's like, I I don't really go anymore, but yeah, I I know the Bible and all that. And I just I, I wanted to just say, did you ever read any of that stuff about drunkenness in the Bible? <laughs> you know, I mean, do, please don't tell me how much Bible you know when you're. So the can of beer. I don't care how much you know; it's how much that you do. And a lot of times people will say that too. Oh, I I, I know. I know I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I know I shouldn't be living this type of lifestyle. I know. I, I know all that stuff. I know all that. Well, who cares if you're not doing it? Don't be. We can't be lazy in our Christian life. Proverbs chapter six, verse nine. Proverbs, it's not friendly to the slothful and to the lazy at all. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Sometimes I just want to shake people and say, hey, you know so much. When are you going to wake up then and see that Hey, you need to start following the Word of God? You need to start doing what the Bible says. It's time to show some character. It's time to start doing the right thing. Jonah, in the book of Jonah uh in chapter one, Jonah had a command from God he had a mission go to Nineveh Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Jonah ran from God Jonah went he went down to Tarsus he got into that ship and he's going as far away as he can from Nineveh and this storm comes I mean this storm is there because of him And boy you'd think Jonah would be you'd think he'd be on that ship praying to his God like all the other people were doing it. But no, Jonah was asleep, and I like what the people called him. They went, they went to wake up Jonah, and they they called him. They said, "Oh sleeper, what are you doing sleeping in a storm like this? Get up and call on your God." And Jonah, he's, uh, yeah, this is because of me. He told, and then Jonah, he was so backslidden, he just said, "Throw me overboard." I give up. And boy, you know what? That happens with people sometimes. You can go and you can confront them with the sin in their life. You show them, like, hey, look, look, this is what the Bible says about it. Hey, you're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. You need to turn to Christ. You need to, re- you need to call on Him for salvation. Uh, I'm just gonna go to hell. They don't say that, but that's pretty much what they do when they reject it. Just like Jonah. You would think, hey, Going and preaching to Nineveh is better than dying, you know. And you would think calling on God for salvation is better than dying and going to hell. Uh, I'll just go to hell. And that's kind of how Jonah was, and they, you know, it didn't work for him. He threw him overboard. God still had his way. Got swallowed. there's Found out there's things worse than death, and that's living three days. <laughs> In the belly of a whale, but just knowing what's right, it's not enough. You have to do it. James one twenty two. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If we don't listen, there's there's all kind. There's all you can know everything there is to know about nutrition. I joke all the time about how one of these days I'm going to invent a diet pill that really works and I'm going to call it Plan B. Why Plan B? Well, Plan A for weight loss. Everybody knows diet and exercise works. Everybody knows that one. <laughs> but nobody wants to do that one. So I'm going to call it Plan B. Because, <laughs> hey, something. Actual, and I'm probably never going to invent that pill. But the truth is, every I think everybody deep down inside, they know what they need to do to have character in their life. They know. People know they need to go to church. People know they need to read their Bible. People know they need to live their life for God. People know that they need to stop sinning. They know they need to stop, you know, doing the drugs and smoking and drinking and all that. They know they need to quit doing all that stuff. But they don't. They know it, but they don't do it, and it doesn't do them a bit of good. I hate a lot of these stupid ad council commercials that I hear all the time. But one of the commercials that I've heard that's funny is where the people. You know, they get in the car wrecks because they were doing the buzz driving, and they're in there. You know, they hurt this person. The one guy is his wife's. You know, hurt really bad, and he's like, you know, I I didn't mean it. I was just buzzed. They're like, oh, you were just buzzed. Oh, okay. In that case, she's okay. You know, and then hey, yeah, everything's fine. Really? And then no, it's not okay. Who cares that you know you're not supposed to drink and drive? Question is. Do you not do that? Who cares if you know you're not supposed to drink? The question is, are you not drinking? Who cares if you know all that stuff if you're not doing it and character? Real character, it's not based on what you know. It's based on what you do. What are you doing? Not just what are you doing on the outside. What are you doing when nobody's looking? That's That's a definition I've always heard of character. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. I mean, hey, that's great. We talked this morning a little bit about profanity. That's great. If you, you know you don't, you're not cussing in church. I'm glad nobody's cussing in church. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased with that. Everybody's, everybody's pleased with that. But you know what? What are you doing in private? You know, what are you doing when you're around other lost people? That's what God's looking at. I mean that that that's why we ought to live the same wherever we go. Well, I'd always because that's what true character is. None of you, you know, nobody would, you know, come up to me. I, I don't think there's anybody in here that would, you know, come and beat me up and take my wallet. Okay, but if I left it laying somewhere and you saw it and had that opportunity, you know, what would you do? That's what God looks at. Hey, most of us aren't going to go rob a bank. There's too many security cameras, and it's it's too hard. But you know what? Would we? You know, the other day I was out knocking doors, visiting church, and I went up by somebody's house, and in the sidewalk up close to the house, I saw a fifty cent piece. I'm like, oh man! I was like, ah, if it had been on the public part of the sidewalk, I might have taken it. <laughs> but it was it was in there, uh Nah. A guilty conscience is not worth fifty cents. <laughs> it's like I about to look. They they'd never known, but I would have known and God would have known. And character, that is that's what you are when nobody's looking. That's what God is looking at. Man looks on the outward. Hey me, I'm easy to please. Boy, you're here at church tonight. That makes that makes me feel great. I'm I'm happy. I'm impressed. It's not it's pretty nasty out there today. You're here. I'm impressed. But I hope you're not here to impress me. I hope you're because there will come a point, you might already be there, where you could care less about impressing me. And that's it's not even really important for you to be impressing me. It's all about impressing God. And so, that's what we need to be focused on, the true character. So let's all stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed.